Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. Well, my version of how we met is, um, (laughs) it was a few occasions of how we met. We were running into each other for a while. I saw her at a Mary J. Blige, Mary J. Blige. Superfest concert. I think it was at the Forum. In Inglewood, yeah. Um, I knew a friend of hers named Valerie, and Valerie introduced us together, and that was, I wanna say, 18, 20 years ago. And it was funny, because we didn't really dig each other. He was just like, hey, what's up? I was like, hey. Because I'm thinking, oh, he's like some famous guy who probably thinks I'm gonna be on his jock. I really don't care. And he was like, oh, this is some girl thinks I'm gonna ask for her number and I'm not. So we were both like, yeah, hey, what's up? And she was a baby. <laughs> I mean, there's no way, you know. And um, so our, we ran into each other. We would run into each other at church, um, at the movies, Eve's Bayou premiere with Megan Good. She was hanging out with Megan. We ran into each other there. And she exchanged numbers with my nephew, my younger nephew. I gave nephew. him my beeper number because I wasn't <laughs> right. Exactly. And then one day um, she needed some advice about joining a girl group and looking at contracts. And, you know, that's when we kind of developed a, you know, friendship or mentoring kind of a thing, just giving her advice on what to look out for. I checked out our first contract and showed it, told her it, it was, was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> it was worse than our first new edition contract we have had. They were going to take her and for it everything. it was with MCA, so I was like, hey, he was on MCA. Exactly. It is crazy. Our yeah. stories were very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have the friends first story, friends for a long time. And then uh, our first date was at Singles Ministry at Faithful Central. Exactly. I was going to this... Uh, <laughs> Singles ministry, like every Wednesday night, you know, it's all about relationships and what to look for and how to prepare yourself for a relationship. Not really knowing, you know, it was just, I thought it was a good idea. And I was just really in the church back then. And so I just thought our first date, you know, would be a good idea if we just went to that. And we went and it was, um, it was very interesting. The pastor like didn't know that I was there, but made a comment about Belle Biv DeVoe. Which was just kind of ironic and funny, you know, some like sleep comment or whatever. Something about the lyrics. Yeah, about (laughs) Doomy or something. And then um, we went to a dinner. I took her to her first soul food restaurant. And her background is um, she's Puerto Rican and Guatemalan. Yeah. Um, Dad is Puerto Rican. Mom's from Guatemala. She's basically black, though. All she has is black friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think we became without knowing best friends because, you know, he would call me every night after the club. It was like 1.45 a.m. Yeah. And we would talk. And uh, he's a really good listener. He helped me a lot with things I I had no clue about. And 
yeah, he's a really good listener. But then apparently he says I talk a lot. But I'm like, well, because you're a good listener, so. Well, in the <laughs> you know, in the beginning, it's easy to listen, right? <laughs> he is a good been, listener. Have you been married for a while? It's like you got to really just really make a strong effort. And, mm -hmm, okay, <laughs> yep, that's right, you know. But so. we we had a few moments where it's like, whoa, you know. Right. Uh, I think we're kind of digging each other, but I think. When did it turn I could, from I could, t I could tell you the moment that it was for me when you came to pick me up at the airport that time. Mm -hmm. We had went on a few dates. I mean, even before that. But um, we hadn't talked for probably, it was weeks, maybe. Yeah. And um, I needed a ride from the airport. This is before Uber, bef like all of that. And um, I called her to come and pick me up. And he was arguing with me because I guess... She was at the wrong terminal and it was just, you know, I had a <laughs> short fuse, all of it. <laughs> and I was like, see, you're just, you're just so young. You just, you just don't get it. I was really mean. It was horrible. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. But, um, so long ago. <laughs> I, I just remember, I will never forget this moment. I walk to the baggage claim and I see her standing there. And I don't get these visions. I don't get, like, you know, people say, well, God told me this and that or whatever. That doesn't happen to me a lot. But this particular day, it happened. It was very clear. And I looked at her and I just heard a voice say, that's your wife. And I just, I brushed it off. It didn't really mean anything, but she brought me home. And it was like, from that day on, she just, she never left. We, she moved in and <laughs> we lived together for several years before we decided to get married yeah and i think we always liked each other but we were we've always been such great best friends that you know we always knew no matter what we were going to be friends but uh i think the idea of not having ricky in my life and just didn't sit well with me so yeah here we are right. <laughs> years and years later and even when we hanging. decided to get married you know, you hear a lot of stories about when people fall in love and they make that decision based off of that feeling, that initial in love rush that you feel like, wow, you're the one. Yeah. But if for us, we had been knowing each other, mm -hmm. we were living together, and it was more of a conversation like, how do you see this? Where are you going with your life? Does it make sense together? I think it's time we move this to the next phase, to the yeah. next level of our relationship. And that's when we decided, you know, to get married. And yeah. we have the same spiritual beliefs. So I think that was a really strong component of why we decided to, you know, get married. Right. Um, and I just was remembering back in the day, you used to give me advice on the guys I was dating. Right. It was weird because she was still going out with guys. And I was, I mean, this was when I was... I was in my player, player days. Player, player? Like I was in the clubs every night, every just almost every night. Like if I wasn't working, I was in somebody at somebody's party or at somebody's club. But for some reason, when I got home, I would call her. You know, I would get all these numbers, and it became so routine for me. It was like, okay, I don't call this one, that one, whatever. Let me just call her, and it was. Then, we, but one night he got um, someone held a gun to him. And try to rob him and that night before he'd even told me called me for some reason i just felt led to pray for him 
like a lot that yeah. I said, hey, are you okay? I was praying for you tonight. And he's just like, whoa, that's weird because check out what happened to me. So there was always signs yeah. that we were connected deeper than we even knew at the time that there was something more there. Yeah. Ricky wasn't a big drinker or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But when, we when I first moved in with him, uh, yeah, we started partying a lot and we used drugs together for the I mean, first get, time. Get specific. Okay. Come okay, on. Okay, so we, ecstasy was just new to the scene, so I tried it. I'm going to tell him the whole story. And you guys can use this because it's a funny story. It's very interesting. <laughs> a friend of hers wanted some ecstasy. And we've never, like, who does ecstasy? Who does that? Right. right. So I asked around. I finally got it for him. And, um, you know, we had some. And she's like, I want him. He's, I want to try it. I'm like, really? So well, you had the pills for so long just exactly. sitting there because he gave right. them to us. I was like, you know what? Let me just try it. I'll so she, try she tried it. And was sitting on the couch, and she just looks at me, eyes light up, and she's like, let's go. <laughs> we go home, and we're in the car, and she's just like, Ricky, oh my God. And I'm like, what is going on? And she's just looking like she's in heaven, <laughs> sitting beside me, looking like she's basically having sex by herself. <laughs> and it's just crazy, man. I was, I was getting jealous. And then, <laughs> funny story, we get home, she goes to the bathroom, Shuts the door, and I just hear this "woo!" I'm like, what is, I'm like, what is going on in there? She comes out. She's like, "You gotta try. It, you gotta try it." And so I'm like, "Eff it." I He's try so it. He prayed. He's like, "Lord, please." <laughs> yep. I prayed. I tried it. It was wonderful. That night, I, we figured out. Oh, this is why we met. We're meant to oh, be. You know, you this just is, you get these. We yeah, out right. The meaning of all life, of that. Oh, of meaning course. Of why we met. This is all of it. Met. Uh, I mean, we talked. We just talked yeah, we till talked. six in the morning. Yeah, time goes by so fast. We had the best sex ever. <laughs> it was amazing. But then, but then, she stopped. No, I kept going for a while. Well, whenever you did stop, right? I kept going. Yeah. And um, for me, the transition was when I was at one of my dealer's house one day. He's like, he's like, you know, ecstasy it has all this stuff in it. You know, won't you just try some of this and yeah. give me some coke? And I had it, and um, had it for a while. I had it for a while in my nightstand, and I was just afraid to try it. And I think one day we got into an argument or whatever, and I don't remember exactly what it was. And I was just upset, and I was just like, "F it!" And I snorted it, a couple lines, and it was just like, it, it. What happened for me, like, what it said to me was, when I'm uncomfortable, that's what I go to. Yeah. It, it escaped. It just numbed all of my feelings, everything, and it just made everything okay. So that recorded in my brain, like, right. this is what you do when you're uncomfortable. Any type of fear, anxiety, anger, whatever it is, I could use that. And it was for the first few years, on and off, social. here and there, social, nobody would know. I, I, I would go on tour, I'm on stage loaded, nobody knew it was all fine. And then I crossed that threshold of trying um, to stop you know? of trying to stop on my own and not being able to and i believe it was 2000 maybe the three the year right before we got married yeah 
I was in DC preparing for a tour. We were there doing production rehearsals. And we had three days off before the opening night, new edition. I'm in my hotel room for those three days up for three days straight, going hard using cocaine. All the way up until it was time to do the show. A few hours before the show, I hadn't been to sleep. And I said, I was, I was panicking. I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't do the show. I can't even stand up. So I called Mike and Johnny to my room. And this was the first time I actually had to tell someone that I had a problem and I couldn't stop on my own. It was the scariest moment of my life. So I told him, I said, hey guys, I've been up for three nights, three days. I can't do the show. And it was the first, so for me, I never missed a show. Even when I was sick, I would go on stage no matter what. So it was just hard for me to, you know, miss this show. Yeah. And Mike said, you know, it's cool. We support you. We're going to help you. We'll be here for you. But he wanted me to come, still come to the show, sit in the dressing room and listen. And that just, it broke my heart just to listen and hear the crowd scream and not be on stage. It was like a, this moment of clarity that I got that. Which, by the way, there is a lot of time before that that yeah. I was trying to get him to stop using. Yeah. Oh, I mean, well, I knew he was using because we right. started together and obviously like it started out fun. We had a great time. We lived our life. Right. We enjoyed each other. Um, but I remember one day I was trying to reach you mm-hmm. and I just, you wouldn't call back. And I just, for some reason, I started getting flashes of all the weird things mm-hmm. that were going on. Right. And, you know, I heard God say to me like, hey, Ricky has an ish- a problem and you need to stop to make sure he's okay. Cause at the time I was still dabbling in things too. So right. just was like, whoa, oh my gosh. So that was the first revelation. I, my husband actually has an issue. This is not fun anymore. Right. And then we went through a phase of just me trying to get him to stop banging on his door, crying, talk to me, please. And eventually he just said, I don't want to stop. And then he went, I can't stop. Like, this is just where I'm at right now. This is who I am. And his personality was altered. Like it just wasn't him. So I knew the the drugs had definitely taken an effect and it it changed my perspective. Like, okay, I'm gonna have to, you know, deal with this in a different way. Like I didn't have any tools at the time. It was just like, how could you do this to you, to me? And I thought I could fix it, you know, but Addiction is a disease. You know, right. people don't like to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. although they acknowledge diabetes or cancer. Addiction is so like, oh, you know, just stop. Well, obviously, if you wanted, if you try to stop and he couldn't, that's it, there's a different thing there. Yeah, it just doesn't get the respect I feel it deserves. You know, I'm sure she had people in her ears telling, "Girl, you just need to leave and give up. Yeah. This is a lost cause." and us not having enough information about it, and you know, just being torn between like, do I give up? There do was I a couple birthdays. Him? I had a few birth, couple birthdays where he was using, he was gone, right. you know, and he'd be gone for sometimes days. two or three days at a time. And I had a friend come with me to go look for him in different hotels, try to look for his car, like, oh, maybe he's close by. Oh, there's so many stories. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's it was a, such a long journey, but. At first, 
I was more concerned as opposed to like, how could you do this to me? I was just concerned for my friend because I know how sweet Ricky is and I knew who he was before he had tried anything. He was just this guy that barely smoked weed, barely drank, and I got him to try, you know, the ecstasy, and now we're here, fast forward, and he can't stop doing cocaine. So um, I felt in a way like responsible, or like, hey, we brought this on ourselves, you know? I, I, I felt a lot of guilt, and I wanted to fix it. And I just had a goal and a plan of mine that I wasn't gonna leave. I wasn't gonna leave him out there like that. Just leave him out there to just, you know, die, because drugs will kill you. I wasn't gonna lose him. And I actually, I've dealt with addiction before in my family, so this was actually not my first rodeo. And so I kinda, I had experience in that area and I've seen one of my family members, two of them, get clean. So I had hope. When I first went into rehab, mm -hmm. my first rehab, I've been to six, six times. That was after, right? Right. This, yeah, that was, I mean, because I'm not really, I'm not sure of the exact times of when certain events took place. Mm -hmm. But when I decided that, okay, I can't do this on my own, I really need to go help and just surrender to the fact that I'm gonna have to actually go he to treatment. He had an ultimatum, okay. Right. I told him, along with some other people, he people done. he works with, yep. hey, Ricky, look, I said, I love you. Um, you know, I'd do anything for you, but I'm not going to support you in killing yourself. Right. So if you want to be with me, if you want my support, you've got to go get treatment today. Right. And if you don't, I'm out. I can't support this anymore. I can't right. keep chasing you around, finding you, because it's starting to affect my life right. to where I can't do anything. Right. And it really did affect my life at the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the first time he's like, okay, he, it wasn't it wasn't easy to get him to get to go the first time or yeah. any of the times and even then when <laughs> i went i still had a lot of, i was in denial about how serious my situation was at the time i was just thinking yeah i'm doing this i'll do this for everyone else just to kind of shut everyone up not realizing how serious the issue was and so at the end of that tour we did a show in miami that was the last show and she was there with me and I remember thinking, God, when I leave here, I'm going to rehab. And so I was thinking to myself, I had this whole plan of, I need to get one more run in before I go to rehab. Because when you don't know about rehab or treatment, I'm thinking, so you go to rehab and something happens and they just get you to stop and then that's it. You know, I don't really know about the 12 steps or just how it works and right. just thinking it's a one-time thing, you go and then you're cured. So I'm thinking, this is my last time. So I started this argument with her, this fight with her to get, and in my, oh, this was a whole plan. Miami, we're like it was a manipulation <laughs> thing. It's like, I need to get her to leave, to go home by herself, fly back to California by herself so I can do my thing. It was just really savage. It was just, oh my God. And, um, and I didn't even have any, like I didn't even have any drugs or anything on me at the time. I, I didn't, had no idea how I was even gonna get it. I just knew that I needed to get her out of Miami. So we did, we fought, she cried, she got on the plane and I was like, cool. I hit the streets, South Beach, Miami, by myself, looking for it, found it, stayed there for three days, using, had these visions and, 
you know, of people, you know, just watching me, feeling sorry for me. I finally went to rehab. It was a 30-day program. And I went and I'm, um, you know, going to meetings and doing all this work. Um, you know, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of praying, a lot of connecting people, group sessions, lot. just a lot of... <laughs> You know, a lot of feelings. This 30 days was the, you know, I hadn't had 30 days clean and it was years since I've had that long. And the day I got out, they dropped me off at home. They took me home. The day I left, I called my dealer and said, you know, let's go. He's like, he's like, didn't you just get out of rehab? I was like, yeah, man, but whatever, man, I'm cool. And that particular dealer said to me, God bless him. Um, he's like, man, I can't do it. I can't even sell to you. I can't do it. And I was like, whatever, forget him. I called somebody else. And eventually I found it again. And this went on for, you know, several years. It was one time I got, you know, I would get six months sober, relapse, a year. You know, then the longest time I had, I was sober for five years before. I, and this, this relapse just came out of nowhere. And I later found out what happened was when I was in the program, I was doing everything that was being suggested to stay sober, to stay clean, going to my meetings, working with my sponsor, doing all my step work, being of service, and the actual obsession, the desire to use went away. So I stopped working my program. I stopped working my recovery, thinking that that's all I had to do. And I stopped for probably for maybe two, two and a half years of just nothing, no working, anything. And then one day I just, I got really depressed. I was in a really dark place, feeling really alone. Like I couldn't even talk to anyone. Like no one would understand my predicament. No one would understand what I'm going through because I don't understand it. And I don't even know how to explain what I'm going through. And the only thing I knew was go to what I know, which was drugs. And I started using again and it was, even then it started off like slow, like in my mind, I got away with it. No one knew, you know, that went on for a few weeks before I finally set up. Let me go on my two, three day bender again. And that so started happening all over again. So the moral of the story is yeah. he's relapsed a million times. Right. And has been sober for different amounts of time. After we were married um, for a few years and the drugs, the drug addiction kept, you know, was a relapse, getting clean. What kept me in the relationship was the deal we made before we got married. You know, before we got married, um, I think we were high one day in the state. We were just having an incredible conversation. And we, were, we were in a really good place and we just made a pact. We made a deal and we said, hey, you know what? Before, we need to remember where we're at in life, why we feel the way we feel about each other, why we're still friends after all this time, why we're living together. And we just said, hey, you know what? Let's just make a commitment today. Like breaking up is not an option. And even if you're not feeling me, if I'm not feeling you, if you mess up, if I mess up, if I flip out for six months or you flip out, because who knows, everybody makes mistakes, people change, they have traumas that happen and it changes your personality sometimes. But we made a pact to be there for each other and to not break up. 
to at least see it out, even if we weren't into each other. <coughs> that was our deal. So um, years into the marriage, we're having issues with drug addiction and him getting clean. But I remember one Valentine's Day, he gave me um, a scroll, you know, like, from the ocean and I didn't even think to like look inside. I was like, oh, that's cute. You know, there's like little sand in there and a card. And when I looked on the inside, it said, breaking up is not an option, I love you. And I just like, you know, I just started crying. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, you remembered. You know, cause we'd never spoken about it. We never said, hey, remember our deal. It was like an unspoken, that was just a beautiful moment. So throughout our relationship, there's always been little signs of things that would make me say, you know what? There's hope. There's something there. Like one of our biggest arguments, you know, I always tell that story. The one of the biggest arguments where we were gonna be breaking up and right. divorcing or whatever, we were figuring it out. He went to 7-Eleven and came back and brought <laughs> me stickers. I was like, okay. It's the little thing. It's the little thing. But yeah. I said, you know, he, he got himself something and he got me something too, so. That just showed me his heart of like, that's why I'm with this guy. He's so sweet and like, there's something more there. Um, I'm sure he's got his own reasons of why yeah. <laughs> you're still with me, but those are my reasons right. of what God giving me serendipitous moments to confirm why I'm there that I should stay here. Cause ultimately I'm with Ricky because, you know, I feel like we have a purpose together. We have a ministry together. Um, we have a destiny together and it's beyond our feelings. It's beyond our mistakes. It's something that God has done. He's made my life better. I believe I've made his life better. Absolutely. Um, I'm a better person because of Ricky. So, you know, I don't want to paint this picture like he's like bad drug addict husband or something. That's one aspect of our marriage, you know. There was infidelity during my addictions. Um, whether it was emotional cheating, sex, um, and porn was also another one of my addictions. You know, sex addiction, porn addiction, because that's really all I did when I used drugs was watch porn, which became a problem, of course, because on one, on so many different levels that I didn't realize at the time, well, you know, you get this thing called porn brain where you just, I'm totally desensitized when it comes to normal sex. And so there was a situation that happened. We're not able to go into full details at the time, but basically what happened was I'm having issues. Intimacy issues. Intimacy issues, right? Of real intimacy. I'm having affectionate issues. I'm having, and in and, and my head, I'm just thinking, God, why am I not? feeling this what's going on i mean my wife is beautiful she's sexy she's like she'll do anything for me she meets all of my needs physically sexually like she's down for whatever but what's going on and then one day there was an incident i was doing an interview she had my phone and she's like recording me and she sees a picture and you know we get into it and we're arguing and she makes a comment to me she says well of course you're not into me you got all these damn pictures on your phone or whatever. Look, you know, you look, I can't compete with this. And it hit me like- I can't compete compete with thousands of cyber women. It just, it, I, and, and so- I mean, I'm just one person. <laughs> and she hit a chord, that hit a chord with me. She struck a nerve and it was, 
I, I couldn't fight that. It was nothing I could, you know, I couldn't even get defensive. It was like, you know what, you are absolutely right. And, you know, this has to be dealt with. And we gotta, so it opened the door for us to be able to talk about those issues for me and what I was dealing with. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people think porn is fine. And, you know, we're, we grew up thinking no big deal, like everybody watches porn and um, it's not a big deal. Right. I think it starts out not a big deal, but if you keep watching it, whatever you continue watching becomes what you eventually lust after and it, right. it can take over and it, it can take many forms. Right. But I did feel like our intimacy, obviously, you know, we're together because we have great intimacy, but I could feel the difference when it changed. Right. I could feel he was checked out right. and something wasn't, I just felt like somebody was intruding in our connection. Exactly. And how we dealt with it first was just for me, which was the hardest part was just being able to talk about, you know, that sex addiction, talk about that porn addiction. It was very shameful. Like, how can I go and ask help for this? You know, don't you know who I think I am? And I'm never gonna, but you know, there were people um, who I respected that are in the entertainment business who I kind of look up to that I found were dealing with similar issues. And they would say to me, look, bro, you know, you, you're trying to look good and, you know, like you want to save face and, you know, you're worrying about what people are going to think about you. But, you know, the saying goes, you can't, you know, you can't save your face and your ass at the same time. So, you know, you got to choose life. And this is what it is. And she was so understanding, even while being hurt, still very supportive. And she said to me one day, she's like, you know, she's like, I'm gonna love you through this. It's not even that so much I have so much faith in you, it's like I have faith in God. And that was like the inspiration and the encouragement. Yeah, because I didn't I trust him. Right. So I was like, how do I stay in a relationship where I'm not trusting him? And I had so much trust before, and I just felt like, okay, well, I could trust God to handle right. it. I don't have to trust you right now, but I could trust him to work on you. Right. We've gotten this far. And so that was the first step of getting the trust rebuilt, you know, right. and we obviously did, t right. we were still in therapy, yeah. couples therapy, individual therapy. And, you know, I'm no saint either, but you know, like just him going through that, it's also helped him to understand me when I've had a couple blackout nights you know, with alcohol and because I was so hurt from going through traumas with Ricky that I wasn't talking to anybody about it. And if that particular night I got triggered and I happened to have a dream. So I hope he's able to help me through that. Right. What she's trying to say is she's had a couple of blackout <laughs> drunken episodes where she acted out. And, I didn't um, have sex with anybody though. All right, she didn't have sex, but... I mean, it's totally fine. I'm not even saying this out of, you know, hurt or anything, but, you know, it happens. And so from my situation, I was able to be more sympathetic. You know, even though I'm hurt, it's like I could, I totally get it. I understand and I know her heart. She knows my heart and she knows like I can be honest with her like, you know, really where my heart is at. It's really all about right. you and that stuff is just... Uh, is more of um, an escape, an escapism. Oh, it's definitely an escape. Yeah. And I think if anything, 
for some reason, me having those moments gave me a better understanding of Ricky as well. Like, oh, okay, I could see with enough drugs and alcohol how you could right. cheat or have a moment or a kiss right. or something yeah. and not be into that person. Because I've always told him, hey, do you have feelings for anybody? Because if you do, that's a whole nother story. But if it's a addiction thing, it's a physical thing. Like I know that right. we're all in these flesh bodies, and right. everybody has the tem same temptations. Right. You know, just depending on what situations you put yourself in. Right. So, that being said, I don't hang out with just anybody. I don't go just anywhere anymore. I try to hang out with married people, people that love God, that are good examples to me, that believe in my marriage. Uh, and not people that are going to just leave me out drinking or if I'm having a trigger and I don't realize it, they're not gonna have my, they, someone that would have my back. You know, we've changed our, our circle has went from here to like so small. Right. We have an amazing support network around us of people we do life with on a, you know, on a really um, raw, intimate level. You know, where we can just be honest and support each other. And that has been key for us. I think there's this like false belief that when you get married and you fall in love, that that love that you have for each other and that be those feelings that you have for each other is gonna be enough. <laughs> That's all you need to sustain the marriage, you know. You just, I just love you so Because I love, and I've never felt this before. And you know, so I Ours know that it's so real. Special. Exactly, and you know, we don't have to worry. But then the true test comes, you know, where the rubber meets the road and it's like, okay, do you love me? Do you really love me? Well, yeah, this is me. This is this is the real me. All of it. You still love me? Yeah. Can we work on this? And, you know, so that's been key for us. And in the beginning, when people would say, you know, just put God first and God will get you through. It's like, what does that mean? Show me how. Like, show me, like, practical like show me, steps. like, ABC. what is the practical step? And so we have to learn that, okay, here's how it works, for me at least. It's as I build my spiritual muscles, my spiritual eyes, as I build my faith and learn the ways, the, uh, the principles of God, the principles of love and walking in the kingdom, I'm able to develop an awareness, one, an awareness of when I'm off track, whether that be behavior-wise or it be thinking thought-life-wise. You know, when I'm off track, I'm, I, I'm able to develop this, oh, I'm feeling anxiety, let me step away from that. Oh, I'm feeling loneliness, let me just put that there and deal with it like this, as opposed to being consumed by it. And one thing, the integrity part is, before my spiritual life, when I'm not living that way, I'm thinking that I'm actually getting away with something because there's no conscience, there's no, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's nothing there because I don't have no accountability to check that on. But once I start developing that part of my life, now I'm able to check myself even when no one is around. So that it's, it's, it's it gets harder, it gets harder to hide that, to bury that like secret. It's like, it's not so easy because you know, and you know God knows and that voice is very loud. What's that saying yeah. in the program? You're only as sick as your secrets. Exactly. You're right. And so that's what it is. That's a, like a huge thing for me. There's no, you never get away with it. 
because it shows up. It shows up in it behavior. It shows up in your moods. It shows up, you know, you, we can just tell. Like she, and it really got to the point for me, like when I would, I would get loaded, right? And I'm just talking to her on the phone. She'd be like, you're loaded. And I'm like, damn it. Like she knows, like there's nothing I can do. And especially if she's around me, she can look at me and go, you're loaded. Oh, you just got finished using something. Like I just, there's no One time hiding I came home and it was all. freezing outside and the air conditioner was set to like 60. I was like, someone's high. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So, and it just becomes so much harder, so much work to try to be someone else outside the marriage and then try to be this other person. It's just like, that's not who I am. I'd rather just talk about the struggles, talk about the loneliness, talk about the temptations here and just work it out here as opposed yeah, to going through that pain of so doing it and then We've been to together it so long, there's no way I'm gonna like dip out while he gets his, you know, shit together. Right. And then go be a great man. To, exactly, because no. she knows, she knows I'm gonna be a king. I'm, I put I'm a too king much time in, like... sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Right. Normal things that we fight about are pretty stupid, actually. It's triggers. We have triggers. And I think we have different triggers based off how we were raised. I grew up in a household with my, I'm Latin, so my parents are very um, passionate. Arguing is normal. Uh, yelling is normal. At breakfast, ah! you know, I grew up with that. So I love Ricky because he's so quiet and meek, humble, and I like his gentleness, but when he gets angry, he raises his voice. And for some reason, I still, I get shaky when people raise their voice. I, it's just something I've had since I was little and I'm getting better at it, but I have a trigger with when we argue, if, you know, his voice is raised. I mean, we used to fight really crazy, but now it's just, you know. And it could, we, we fought over, it could be anything from you left all the cabinet doors open to oh, yeah. you're, not drive, you're not driving right or whatever it could be. Over she makes a meal and I don't really like it and I'm just you not- You like my meals. I, I do, but I'm just saying like if for some particular reason I didn't like this one and I didn't say it, tell her in a nice way that I didn't like <laughs> it, you know, that's that turns into something else. But we, you know, as a couple, right? Outside of any problems, any, whether it's addiction, infidelity, or whatever, you you don't know. Like you have to learn how to. There's a there's a, a, a respectable way that you have to learn how to communicate. There's a way that you have to learn how to fight. Learn how to, how argue. to argue. You know, without um, disrespect, without even feeling so much like offended or, or victim in any way. And we didn't have any of these skills. Before, we learned the hard way. You know, before counseling or therapy or anything like that. So we had to learn. It was just a lot of those issues that you just don't know of how to deal with. And for me, in my head, I, I, I go to the extreme. Like when something is not the way that I think it should be, in my head I go, this well, is he, not going to work. I'm, no. I'm like, oh, if this is going to be like but this, I'm just out of here. In my head. But That's he won't how I'm say it. anything. Right. Okay. Just, right. So imagine that <laughs> times eight more things. <laughs> right. Months gone by. Right. And then one day I'm like driving and I'm like, whoa, dude, what's wrong? Like, <laughs> exactly. you sound like you're very upset with me. What yeah. happened? And it's all and then the things. It starts with something little. We get to talking. 
And then I find out there's like a whole list of stuff. By the way, that one day you did, I'm like, tell me in the moment. But he knows I'm sensitive and I've, I've gotten a lot better. Absolutely. So I think he's, I, I think you're a little bit afraid of conflict. I am too. Oh, absolutely. So, I, I hate conflict. Hey, you know, but um, yeah, I would say for me, I just have triggers. Yeah. And I don't know. He doesn't like me leaving water bottles around the house and, and doors open, but I'm right. really good with that. Here you are. <laughs> gotten a lot better. I don't know if this is a fortunately or unfortunately, but unfortunately, I'm not as sensitive due to unfortunate events. I've just been through many deaths in my family, animals dying, real life issues, heartbreaks that have just, the sensitive part just had to go because I had to fight and get strong. And so that's what made me not so sensitive. Also dealing with his addiction, at first, it's like you're crying all the time and you become a person that's worried, but eventually you're like, hey, I have to live my life. I have to move on. I have to be strong. I can't let what you're doing dictate my personality, right. you know, because then I'm being codependent. Right. So I think in general, just life has made me a lot more thick skinned, but I am still sensitive. Right. I mean, we <clears throat> were both have codependency issues. So for me, I would hold on to stuff out of fear of like, I don't want to upset her. I don't want to hurt her feelings. She's so sensitive. Or am I I'm going through all this in my head? Am I just being too nitpicky? Maybe that's a small thing. I'll just let that go or whatever. And, and so just learning, even through therapy or through trial and error of like, you know what? We have to just be honest with each other mm -hmm. and know that I'm coming from a place of not trying to offend but just, this is my truth right now. And I just have to say it because we know how it's, it goes when I hold on to stuff. So Nothing we just have to ever practice. gets worked out when we're raising our voices at each right. other. Never. Right. So right. I think one thing we've learned is, I'm not saying we're great at it, but just, I have to let Ricky calm down first and right. then talk to him. Because if we could just talk the way we're talking now, yep. we can be friends and work it out. Mm -hmm. And that's something we figured out like, hey, we're lovers, yes, we're partners, but we're also friends. So sometimes we got to turn off the lover mm -hmm. part and say, can we just be friends for a minute? Check out, this is what happened in my head. This is how I felt about it. How about you? Okay, now I can understand you as a friend. Right. Now let's get back to like, how do we fix this? Right. You know, I, I will say one though, pet peeve I have. Is this a new one? No, you know it. What? He, he's just. He's not good at initiating stuff all the time. Yeah. He's sweet, like he wants to do stuff with me, but he's not good at like, hey, what's going on this weekend? I want to do a date night. Like I have to say, hey, it's been three weeks, date night. So I'm a better planner, but yeah, that's area. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I will work on it. <laughs> but he is good at surprises and being romantic when I least expect it. Um, just the initiation That's yeah she's a um i don't know if you guys ever heard of this book called um the five uh, love languages oh gosh and hers is touchy feely affectionate <laughs> <you> like... <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in quality time yeah and sometimes i forget that and that his is totally his is opposite yeah this is like acts of service and 
right. words of affirmation. So pretty much, I make him a sandwich. He's like, she loves me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> she makes me a sandwich. I'm like, whatever. Come cuddle with me. Exactly. <laughs> like I buy her something nice. She's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, thank you for thinking of me. But I'm like, this jacket is dope. Like you ain't like check this out. You know. But she's. It's okay though. We um, cool. we accept that about each other. And he it works. grew up not affectionate. I grew up super affectionate. Yeah. So he's learning to be more affectionate because of me, and I'm learning to not be so affectionate all the time. And right. you know, now I'm used to it. Now we, I give you your space, right? Mm -hmm. For me, it's not like I have a problem with like. When I have something planned, when something is planned, like if I know I have to go on a trip oh, yes. or my head, I'm already thinking about it days ahead of time. I start like, even if I'm leaving next week, I'm starting He's to pack packing today. Tonight, today. Just cause I just need to get it out of my head of thinking about what I have to do. So even when we're something, this is what I'm learning going now. When I get home off the road, I'm dealing with people all the time, whether it's meet and greets or interviews or whatever. So my head is like, okay, now when I get home, it's not relaxed time. It's now spend time with my wife, quality <laughs> time, you know, face to face, not just not in the just same room, not just watching TV, phones. but just, I like, she likes this. So my intimacy. head is thinking like, I have to, I have to learn how to not make that work, but to enjoy it, you know? And so it took me a while to have to like, you know, when I'm home, like I want to spend time with you, but I don't want it to feel like work. It's so not a job to, yet. No, I know it's yeah. not a job. It's, it should be enjoyable. So it took me a while to like, not think of it as work, you know, now come home from work. But what do I but do when you first get home now? It's like, we have a routine. She just gives me the day to recoup, take off. to just do whatever she takes off and just gives me the whole day by myself. And then we, get back into our routine. But this is a, it's an ongoing day-to-day -day hit or miss type of thing. It's no one blanket. Like we just got it now from now on. And We're a lot We constantly better. have to work on it. Of course, we've grown a lot. Yeah, I think learning routines, being married and learning each other's routines. We're both in the entertainment industry and you know, this is a very demanding industry. At any given point, he could be up for three days having crazy flights dealing with annoying people and then he wants to come home and just maybe just be fed and watch some good cartoons and not worry about anything. Right. But for me, like, let's just say he's done that and I've just been home cleaning and working on my thing. Like, I miss him. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't wait to see him. I miss you. I want to talk about what's been going on in person, yeah. but I've trained myself to, to know. <laughs> Give me a minute. Yeah, right. to give him a minute. And uh, I'm a lot busier these days, so I think we understand each other. We, yeah. we do music together now, so mm -hmm. since we've been working together professionally, um, I believe it's made our marriage stronger. Yeah. I thought that it was gonna really be a challenge and be a deal breaker, but uh, I think we understand each other better. Yeah, I was afraid of working with him in a sense because I saw other couples that had and I saw the way they argued and I saw that they weren't that into each other and I was like, shoot, they're around each other so much, they're not feeling each other. I, I already know how that can happen. We've and been it, it can be a challenge when you're working together on business and being creative and then putting that hat down and now be husband and wife 
But for me, I'm it's still hard. learning, you know, and it's a challenge sometimes. So we've been in the studio all night. Now we're home. Now it's time to cuddle. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> I don't feel like doing that right now. I just want to just chill. But just trying to meet each other halfway in there and just, and I think what has been key for me is I can, being able to just let her know how I feel, letting her know, hey, hey I am, Lord. you know. Talk to me. This is challenging for me. I'm working on being the initiator. I'm working on being more affectionate. I'm working on, you know, the quality time. But if I can just say that, if we can just say to each other, you know what? Neither one of us knows really what we're doing, but you work on you, I work on me, we'll work on this together. Right. And we can, cause it, it kind of takes all the pressure off of always having to figure it out or even get it right all the time. I would say we do better when we check in mm -hmm. once a week. It's right. like a check-in. Our couples therapist told us check-in because we go, 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 working, working, recording, right. acting, no check-in, just see him at the house. Like we yeah. can become like roommates sometimes. Exactly. He had to go today. Okay, cool, cool. See you later. You know, did you feed the cat? It's very like friends. And right. so, well, when we check in, it's like, hey, how are you feeling though? Right. How's your, mm -hmm. how's your vibe today? You sad about something? Are you good? Do you need anything? Do you want to hang out? That When we check in once a week, we're good, but we've right. gone like three weeks without the check-in and massive issues. Like like passing ships in the night. Well, I would love to renew my vows because, you know, we had a double wedding and number one, I want my own wedding. <laughs> it was beautiful, don't get me wrong. It felt like it was just ours. I mean, right. Looking into your eyes, it was a beautiful ceremony. And it was on my birthday, so which also made it special. Yeah, mm. but I would love to, to get married again just in the context of all we've been through, I feel like we're closer than we've ever been. Our relationship is a lot stronger. And am I allowed to say? I'll tell that part. Okay, <laughs> there's a there's something that happened at our wedding. Um, so yeah, I wanna get married with a sober frame uh, of mind. Exactly. Um, the night before our wedding, you know, um, we're in the hotel, but we, you know, you're not supposed to see each other 24 hours. I took that opportunity to use drugs the whole night before my wedding. I stayed up, I didn't get any sleep at all, up all night. I, you know, one reason, just the anxiety and the fear of finally getting married for the first time um, scared the heck out of me. Didn't know how to deal with that. Didn't know how to talk about it. So I stayed up all night using cocaine. Get to the wedding, of course, the sleepiness and all that starting to kick in and I'm fighting through the whole day. Nobody knows. I didn't tell anybody anything. No one knows. I don't even know if they could tell on the look of my face. To this day, I can't even look at the pictures. We took new pictures. Yeah, we, we've taken <laughs> new pictures, but the actual day of the wedding, it's hard for me to look. I still haven't watched the video to this day. In 14 years, I haven't watched that video. And when I look at the pictures, I got this, you know, that loose jaw kind of a thing and it's, I, I know where my head was at that day and it's like wow like I'm not that person anymore so that's another reason why we want to it was worse in your head than what it new, appeared to be absolutely it, al it always is so that's another reason why you know I would like to renew our house 
because I want to be present. I mean, we have by ourselves with someone, but I mean, we would love to an do that. An actual ceremony. An actual yeah. ceremony. Also, I got married at 22 years old, so um, I'm a much different person now. You know, I had so many friends and everyone be in the wedding and it was beautiful, everyone that was in it. But um, my one of my best friends lost her dress, um, Megan Good. It was like in magazines. So it was like, that's the story that they got. It's like, oh yeah. no, the dress, she, yeah. the dress was lost. And Megan's walking down the aisle with her jeans on. Yeah. She, She's all still the looking, other bridesmaids. I didn't care. I was so happy to be getting married. I was like, I don't <laughs> care. I love you. But, you know, Megan is, is such a great friend of me. She's been in our lives since the beginning. And um, it would be nice to like have her in my wedding with the dress. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, especially because she's just been there for me so much. And uh, that's another reason. Plus, one more reason. When we were going down the aisle, I watched on the tape, there's an ambulance across the street. All right. They didn't tell us this when we put the deposit down. But all right. All you hear on the tape is... Right. While the music, while my favorite song's being played on violins, you're just hearing ambulances going and fire trucks. I was like, oh. right. I was so in La La Land, I didn't know that day until I watched the video. Um, you don't even remember. No. <laughs> There's a few times I thought we were not going to stay together and there was a pastor came up to me out of nowhere and he just said, hey, I just want to tell you something. I'm like, what's up? He's like, Ricky, really good guy. You made the right choice. And I was like, okay. And I went in the bathroom I'm like, because ah! I just had accepted like, you know what? Maybe we're just not meant to be together, but there's always God always gave me a confirmation, either through someone else, through a text message, just something special that would tug at my heart. And I was like, okay, that was weird. This is beyond me. And yeah. I believe our marriage is beyond our feelings for each other. Yeah. They're great, but I think it's to be a blessing to other people. Right. And all the, can I cuss on you? All the shit we've been through, I want to bless others from right. that. I don't want people to go through the same things we did. I want to help others, you know, because it took us a really long time. And I don't think it's because we didn't have people telling us. We didn't have any examples at the time. Right. Now we do, right. but back then we didn't. I had no one to talk to. I had one fr one or two friends and uh, it, was, it was really difficult. So I, I just wanted our marriage to be a ministry or an example of hope to Exactly. Somebody else out there. Yeah.